0: They say American health is doomed and that the people have all but given up hope as to how healthy and long they can live and that the younger generation is the first in our history that is expected to live a shorter life than their parents. I disagree. I truly believe we all can live a long, healthy and vibrant life and that the legacy we leave behind is rooted in our health. My name is Dr. Otto Jenkins, and my job is to listen, learn, and ask the questions for your longevity. Each episode, we will push your understanding of just how great you can be by connecting with the leaders, outsiders, and thought-provokers who will challenge your own ideas and limitations. And then, perhaps, we can ignite a bonfire in you for the best you. What was once just an idea for me has become an all-consuming passion. So join me on this mission to help make us all better. And welcome to the Empire Longevity Podcast. This is Dr. Otto Jenkins. Welcome to the Empire Longevity Podcast. We have a really, really unique guest on today. And um to say that this lady has gone through a change would be a, an understatement, and uh, I'm going to let her tell the whole story because it's kind of unique, and it's, it's really kind of almost um, uh, anti-way the vast majority of, of people think right now. So my great guest today is Dr. Amanda McDowell Killian, all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma. How are you Yes, doing?
1: thank you. I'm great. How are you? Thanks for I
0: having me. Be, I couldn't be any better. So um, we met a couple of years ago at uh, through chiropractic. And first of all, where did you go to school?
1: So I did my undergraduate work at the University of Kansas, and then I went on to Cleveland chiropractic in Kansas City.
0: University of Kansas. Um, what's their mascot? Jayhawks. <laughs> oh, you're one of them. Rock
1: chock. I am one of those. <laughs>
0: Rock Chalk. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry we're going to have to cancel the whole discussion right now.
1: <laughs> you must not like winning. <laughs> oh,
0: that's it. That's,
1: that's it.
0: it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Here we go. Gloves yeah. are off, no sister. The gloves are off.
1: Yeah, I know. Love.
0: Uh, Why did you get into chiropractic?
1: You know, I I wish I had a great one of those great stories around it. I didn't grow up with chiropractic. I did know I wanted to do something health related. And I had a friend reach out to me when I was taking a year off between undergrad and trying to figure out what my next step would be. And he said, why don't you just look into this? And so at that time you went to the library to research. So I went up there and looked it up and I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. And it was, you know, the best decision I've made. I, I absolutely love chiropractic. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, and how long have you been in practice?
1: Well, I pr- had a private practice for 10 years and then I recently sold my practice, uh, August 1st actually. So I felt called to be staying at home with our two young kids. Sure. So I'm doing that right now. And then my husband keeps reminding me chiropractic's always there, but they're only going to be little once. So I can go back whenever.
0: Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, um, uh, you can't ever make up for that time
1: that's exactly uh, they that's grow fast. fast
0: so so tell our audience what was the the major change you made in your life recently
1: so what I decided to do was I um, decided to have my breast implants removed and I had that done on May 9th of this year um, and that was a decision that I made to get them when I was 19 so they were almost 18 years old and they started causing me health problems.
0: So you had them for eighteen years, yes. And what was the what was the major signs that were really showing up to you? And how long ago did those those show up?
1: So for years, I had just on and off, non specific symptoms, and I would go to different specialists, and I would never walk away with any sort of answers it wasn't until August of 2017 that something visible showed up that the doctors could actually see and say, okay, there is something going on. And at the time they just didn't know what it was. Um, Basically that day um, it was August 5th. We were on a vacation and I came down from the mountain and I noticed this just big red tender nodule on my leg. And I had no idea where it came from and Within two weeks, I had had an ultrasound. I had been on a round of antibiotics. They thought I had cellulitis. And the day of my ultrasound to rule out a blood clot is when it started affecting my right shin. So I was eventually diagnosed with a condition called erythema nodosum. Want me to explain that condition? (laughs) Absolutely. So the erythema nodosum is, if you're ever diagnosed with it, it, there's always something underlying. And so the goal behind it is you want to find what triggered it and what erythema is. I'll just call it Ian for short. You get these, t- these hard, tender, red, painful nodules. And they most, mostly you're affected knees and below. Um, they can come up anywhere on your body, but they do affect the lower leg most often. And that's where I was affected. And so I went through, all the tests I had chest x-ray brain mri tons and tons of blood work looking for autoimmune markers inflammatory markers and everything was coming back normal wow so i ended up talking to i mean you know being in the profession we are we have different connections the different types of providers and so i spoke to a rheumatologist that was out of state she advised that i see one locally so I sent all of my stuff to a local rheumatologist and I get a call from their office saying, I'm sorry, she's not going to see you. You need to rule out cancer, irritable bowel disease or infectious disease. So what? I'm sitting there going, <laughs> okay. And then I went to see a dermatologist and the dermatologist, she was you know, very thorough. She ran a lot more tests. We tried two weeks of steroids and she, I remember her said sedi- getting her textbook. She brought it into the room. She opened it up and she just started reading down the different causes or triggers of this disease. And she goes, she closes it and she looks at me and she said, you know, I just think you're unlucky. Oh. Call me if oh. it gets worse. And I'm sitting there thinking, this isn't about luck. Like this is not a normal thing to happen. Health is not whether you're lucky or not. There's something causing this. So for about five and a half months, I was left with no answers, but a lot of frustrating days, very painful days. My days were determined. I would just tell my husband it was a good pain day or a bad pain day. You just never knew how bad you were going to be affected. Right,
0: right. So first of all, you must have been scared crapless because you don't know literally what's going on.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I was scared. I spent... Hours on end, looking for answers, I was searching databases, reading about erythema nodosum, trying to find anything I could that just was hidden in the medical medical literature somewhere that might be an underlying trigger. And I was doing, I don't want to say all, all the right things, I was doing a lot of the right things. I mean, being in chiropractic, we tend to want to do things more holistic, I was going the medical route in the sense that I was willing to do steroids, which I did not care to do. But at the same time I was seeing, you know, holistic doctors. I was going for acupuncture, getting adjusted regularly, drinking green juice every day, you know, doing all of these things to try to improve my health. And yet I couldn't figure out what was causing me to be in the condition that I was.
0: So you, how panicked were you?
1: I was scared. Uh, I was definitely scared. I was very discouraged. And it, I think it goes back to I wasn't wanting to do something to mask the the symptoms. Right. And that's essentially what the steroids did. Uh, I hadn't even finished taking the bottle before they started coming back. I knew I could take a leave and get relief, but that's not something I wanted to depend on. I wanted the answer. I wanted the cause of what was behind all of this.
0: And so you're looking at five and a half months, you're looking at all this time. And so who, who turned the light on for you that, that maybe it wasn't any of the above and it was something else.
1: We were at home, it was New Year's Eve and like cool people were in our pajamas at eight o'clock
0: Yes, and we're
1: sitting on the couch. I yes. know we do it right here in Oklahoma. <laughs> And I'm on Facebook and I see this random post from a person I've actually never met. We're just in you know, mutual groups. And oh. she made a post about her 2008 health resolutions. So I read it and I started reading the comments and I see two different women say when I had my implants removed. And so I immediately said, what kind of implants? And she wrote back breast. I'm going to private message you. And she linked a website for me. It was called Healing Breast Implant Illness by Nicole.com. I immediately went to that website. I started reading and I looked at my husband and I said, honey, I think I just figured this out. And right then I knew they were coming out. There was not a doubt in my mind.
0: What was, okay. So you, you make that decision. Was mm-hmm. there anything else going on with your, with your health at the time?
1: I've had a lot of, you know, digestive issues, a lot of food sensitivities, bloating. I, you know, ate the gluten-free diets. The, I started getting just with the nodules themselves, my ankles would start swelling too. So by about two weeks before I actually explanted, my ankles looked like I was 40 weeks pregnant in 105 degree heat. That's how swollen they got. And I with the eruptions too you have a lot of flu-like symptoms sure. so it was you just had this generalized achy unwell feeling and extreme fatigue
0: How um, could you so not?
1: would you know come where you just feel like you can't you can't think straight you can't talk straight It was a hard way to describe to people how you feel when they couldn't actually. I mean, they could see what was going on with my legs, but they can't see, you know, the insides of you and how you actually feel. Because when you've got two young kids, you just keep going. Sure. Uh, sure. And especially at work, too, at the time.
0: Absolutely. Sure. So you have the, all these number of things going on. And uh, so when do you think the first symptoms, if, when you go back, and I'm sure you could overanalyze this tremendously, but when do you think the first symptoms started to show up?
1: I think the first symptoms were the... So I got these done right at the beginning of August of 2000. And I think the first symptoms started the beginning of October of 2000. Really? I do. Now that I'm able to look back, I have... I got really, really sick and I had no answers. I vividly remember I was nannying for a little boy. I had had him on a changing table and I just... I ended up taking him off the table, setting him on the ground. And I just went to the ground. I called my parents. I said, something isn't right. I just can't. It's like, I don't even have the strength to stand right now. And my parents came over. They took me to the hospital. They ran test after test. And it was, well, I think you maybe got, you know, just a random virus because your boyfriend was across seas and maybe he brought something back. But yet no blood work or anything supported that. I believe now my body was rejecting them from the get-go. I just didn't know.
0: Wow. Wow. So what was your – you must have thought going into the whole initially to get them in that you are going to be like the other thousands of people we hear on TV, that it's just absolutely a life-changing, beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, you know, when you're 19, you're just – I don't have a lot of forward thinking skills, I don't think, at that time. The details that I remember around it uh, one is I grew up next door to the plastic surgeon. So I had that relationship with him, and then his wife was his nurse. So I had, there was a comfort level there. Right. Probably I was more inclined to even do something at that age because I did know them so well. Sure. Uh, I remember being told you'll need to replace these in 10 years well 29 to a 19 year old sounds very you know a long ways away um and i was i remember asking if i would be able to breastfeed because i knew that would be something important to me and they said oh most definitely you can breastfeed so those are just things i remember around that time uh, my parents tried to talk me out of it <laughs> multiple times but they couldn't really stop me since i was technically an adult and i was paying for it
0: so <laughs> yeah right I
1: wish I wouldn't have
0: (laughs) right what um why do they why do you need to replace them in 10 years
1: well you get mixed opinions on that the manufacturers say that the implants themselves start breaking down and so you need to replace them I did meet with a plastic surgeon who happened to be a friend a couple of probably about three years ago. And she actually told me that unless there was something wrong with the implant, you know, a leak or something like that, I didn't have to just replace them to be replacing them. And so make sure you're done having babies before you do anything. And so thankfully she did give me that advice at that time because I didn't go in and do anything because I had another child and so, but the, the thought is, is that the implants start breaking down. They're made up of a bunch of harmful chemicals, heavy metals, and that's going to be circulating in your body.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. At 19, that's a, that's that 29 is astronomically a long ways away. That's, that's amazing.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: So you go through this and you, you are, almost 10 years you're nine and a half years of having different symptoms that are affecting you in different ways and you really can't pinpoint anything am i correct
1: right Mm -hmm.
0: and so then you get down to this um the en and that that's affecting you and you're not sure if you have some kind of chronic inflammation or you have cancer
1: yeah you don't really know i'm told you know to rule out the those three conditions you just don't You don't know what it is because, you know, when you're trying to diagnose an autoimmune condition, for instance, they're going to look for the RA factor, right? right? Or the ANA, I should say. So ANA is coming back negative. So it's they're ruling out things, but they're also not able to rule anything in by my blood work. Right. And that was what was so frustrating.
0: Had to be. Absolutely had to be. So that one night you decide, okay, this is what we're going to do so how did you actually make the confirmation uh, of that when you were in your PJs at eight fifteen at night, what was the confirmation that you finally made that? Yeah, this is it.
1: Well, that night is when I made the decision and my husband knowing how I'm a big researcher on different things. When I get um, interested in something, he said, please, just whatever you do, don't start, researching this obsessively <laughs> and I'm going, okay. You know? And then he'd leave the next day and I'm, you know, on the computer nonstop. Of course. Uh, what I, what I ended up doing was getting on the Facebook group, which is healing breast implant illness by Nicole. There's a big Facebook group. There's actually over 50,000 women on there now. And I started just reading other women's stories and it gave me comfort seeing not only that women have healed from taking these out, but also that other women were going through not the exact same thing I was because all of our stories are different, but sure. yet they're all the same and that our bodies are rejecting these in some way or another right. yep. and our health and negatively affected. And you don't feel as isolated when you start surrounding yourself with other women that are going through or have been through what you, what you are going through. Right. I did that. And then I also, um, I spoke to a guy by the name of Jeff Rose and he is the concierge. He only deals with explant patients for the surgeon that I ultimately ended up choosing down in Jupiter, Florida. And the reason why he became so passionate about it is his wife was, became very ill from her implants. And so he's made it his life mission to help women heal from this and educate the public. He's he's an amazing person, but I spoke to him and it was really the first time on the phone with somebody that I felt heard that this is what I'm going through. And there was hope. Um, and so that's, I chose my surgeon and then you have to book, depending on who you choose, uh, some surgeons book, you know, six months in advance. So you just get on their list and you wait.
0: So it Is it difficult finding someone who will do that?
1: It's not. It's definitely difficult to find somebody that will believe you and believe that the implants are causing this. I mean, we're talking about an industry that is big business for plastic surgeons. And many are going to try to talk you out of it. Now, I didn't have that personally happen. I'm just speaking on what I've read from different women. Sure, Um, They'll try to talk you out of it. They'll say it's not your implants; There's something else. Or you should just replace them. You should try a different kind. Those types of things. There are some that will do the procedure the way it's supposed to be done. Because it's not as simple as just putting the implant is easy. But taking it out, there's a specific way you have to do it in order for your body to be able to truly be able to heal from that. And that you want to find, in my opinion, you want to find somebody who is experienced with X plants and doing them the total capsulectomy, which is removing the entire capsule. And the goal is always to do what's called on block, which means the capsule and the implant come out in one piece so that you're not just pulling an implant out and then going in and trying to scrape capsule out. (laughs) After
0: <laughs> <hospital>. wow. Right. <laughs> wow yeah wow that's in, that's intense
1: it is it's um the there's a guy out of canada and it's dr pierre something i can't remember his name but he described the surgery or he compared it to removing the ch- a bullet from a chest that's how intricate the surgery actually is we have to remember that we have placed two bags on top of vital organs. And depending on if you are over or under the muscle, a lot of times if you're under the muscle, what happens is is that the scar tissue in that capsule starts adhering to the rib cages. Well, we're right over heart and lungs. So you want somebody experienced that can safely remove that capsule without causing damage.
0: Holy guacamole. Mm -hmm. holy cow wow um so you had the surgery done
1: had the surgery done in
0: beautiful jupiter florida
1: wonderful down there
0: (laughs) where um i actually lived for a short period of time
1: oh you did yeah i did um
0: and so you have that and so you how quickly were you back in in oklahoma
1: i spent eight days down there uh you do drains are very important to have after so uh, I had drains for five days and just recovered it was actually you know I hated being away from our children but at the same time I also didn't need to risk being accidentally bumped by two rambunctious little ones too so uh, we just took it easy and flew home and then still you know had to do I was slow moving for a while yeah
0: I would I would have to guess you would be. Yes. <laughs> and so you were saying before that um, you, you're only allowed to lift five pounds?
1: Yes. So I couldn't lift more than five pounds for um, six weeks. So being in chiropractic at that time, I had my practice that completely eliminated. I wasn't able to adjust because as you know, there's quite a bit of upper body force doing that. Um, right. And then I would see babies in my practice. I couldn't even lift a baby to adjust them. So I had somebody actually covering for me. I had help at our house all day. I was home, but I couldn't, you know, you just take for granted a lot of the things that you lift that are more than five pounds, but just as much as lifting my child in and out of her crib or in and out of the car seat, you just couldn't do that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the um, what's the changes you've seen? in your in your health since then
1: so immediately i just noticed um i had more energy the coloring in my face just came back if you look me up on facebook a lot of my stuff is private but everything that i've written on this subject i made public and you can go to my page and you can see some before and after pictures and there was just a striking difference in It's almost as if my face just had life in it again. Wow! Uh, You could see the whites in my eyes. My husband looked at me one morning with no makeup on too, and he goes, "You just look rejuvenated," and that's honestly how I felt. Um, But I don't want to trick or mislead people into thinking that you explant and all of a sudden you wake up and you're better. Oh sure, it is a very long process. I'm you know five and a half months post op now, and I'm still scratching the surface on the healing that needs to still happen in my body. Um, My erythema nodosum is my left leg is completely clear. I have one flare on my right knee that is just holding on right now, but I've seen, I mean the change is dramatic from where I was before I did it.
0: What's your sleeping like now?
1: Um, I sleep well. I You know, I I sleep well. I honestly slept pretty well before, um, probably because I was just so tired all of the time. Uh, uh, I just didn't have the energy. And the fatigue, I've noticed, I had a lady that explanted before me and she said, you just have to understand that you're going to have your down days still. But just keep going because you, you're, you'll see the light again, but it's just all part of the healing. And that's what I have found to be true. So the fatigue days are less than they were, and they're not as severe as they were, which has been great um, to feel like you can function. And the pain, I mean, that's it's nice not waking up <laughs> where your legs feel like they're going to split open every day. And that's wow. how it felt.
0: Wow. Whew. That's a, you know, it, it's amazing that, um, do you know, what are the, do you know any kind of stats that how many women they anticipate are having even close to the same things?
1: You know, I don't, I think in my opinion, I think anybody that puts, and I don't just say this with breast implants, our bodies are intelligent. And if you put something foreign in them, your immune system will react to that. Now to what degree and for how long you it will sustain before your body starts breaking down. I think there's going to be varying factors on that and genetics will play a role as well. But right. I do believe that this opened my eyes to even changing the way I looked at some of the women that came into my practice that I believe were affected by their breast implants because wow. you have a, what I had to keep reminding myself is that I can't 100 I don't blame all my health where I am health status wise on my implants. Decisions from way back when are going to affect us later on in life. But I knew that these would they would have been a barrier to my body's ability to heal. So had I not gotten them out, I would have never been able to reach the potential to wherever I end up. With them being in my body because my immune system was constantly on high alert to two foreign objects
0: sure absolutely i mean how how could it not how could it not right um amazing absolutely amazing what's um so I, this is actually a beautiful time of the year because it's winter time and just like a a uh, a bear you can actually uh, have some downtime for the next couple of months couldn't you
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm looking forward. I love winter. I love hibernating. (laughs) My husband, I'm just a big homebody most of the time. So I love this time of year and just, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that I have that part behind me.
0: Oh, Absolutely. At, uh, at 29, I mean, you're, you're just starting too.
1: No, 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 no. The 29 was the 10-year mark right. of when I had them. So I'm 30, almost 38 next week.
0: Oh, I'm sorry about that. Still yeah, 38. No, You're yeah. just,
1: so I had it for 18 years. You're just starting again. Yeah. <laughs> starting to get really close to 40 is what's happening.
0: <laughs> that ain't nothing, sister. Yeah. Um, so what's the what's the outlook for yourself for the next 60 two years?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, this has been a a definite process. I've had to really learn to show myself grace for the decision that I made back then. Um, because you, you feel a lot of regret, even though I was young and I say ignorant at the time, you still think, gosh, why did I do this to my body? And then I look at my two young girls and I think, how do I help not make the same mistake that I made um, and to just really love their bodies and love who they are um, and not, not feel the pressure of society to do something so drastic. Oh, sure. And I, you know, I keep, I'm working with this naturopathic doctor. We're on month two of a, a minimum of a six month protocol. So I still have a long ways to go with that and, and, I just hope to take better care of myself.
0: Wow. Wow. That's a, uh, that's a lot to go with. And uh, it's uh it's a lot you have been through already.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I don't ever, this is just part of my story. And I never want, I've never wanted it to come across that what I've gone through is more severe than, you know, some people are, in dire, dire health situations right now. And, but I, I've always said that since going through this, I've wanted to speak out and help other women because had I not seen that post that night, I could be in a totally different position than I am now. And so I'm so thankful that being a Christian, I, I thank God. I saw that. I thank God that I was able to find the surgeon that I found and connect with the amazing women that i have and that's why i've decided to speak out about something that could seem more you know private uh to some people because women need to know and i would hate for somebody to go through what uh, thousands of women are currently and have gone through when they don't have to
0: absolutely absolutely amanda how can if, if people wanted to contact you how can they do that
1: Um, The best way is just, I would look me up on Facebook. Sure. So my um, name is just, it's Amanda and then McDowell is M-C-D-O-W-E-L-L and Killian. So dash Killian is K-I-L-I-A-N. And there you can actually look at my, uh, the posts I've made about it. So you can see some of the pictures of things I was talking about. And then also you can private message me and I would be happy to help anybody um, in terms of surgeons and just, you know what to pack when you're prepping for surgery, and you're going <laughs> to surgery. Those are the kind of things that yeah. women helped us. You know, take a neck pillow, take this things that I would have never thought of. Right. So it's a a really g- great community of women that we've kind of bonded in a way that we don't, we wouldn't want to bond this way, but. Um, I think the women have really come together and I think people are talking now. I think that we're going to see more and more on this because it's, women are getting affected. Lives are getting, you know, some women are losing their lives over this. And we know that the FDA, they don't acknowledge what we call breast implant illness, but they do acknowledge that there's a certain type of implant that causes breast implant associated lymphoma. And if they can acknowledge that a breast implant implant causes cancer, why couldn't it cause other autoimmune type issues?
0: Absolutely. That's, uh, that's absolutely idiocy, idiocy that it doesn't, it wouldn't be considered any other way. Right. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, that was a lot.
1: It's a lot. It is. But, you know, I appreciate you being willing to, you know, allow someone to speak about this because it is taboo uh, when the majority are not talking about this or acknowledging that it's happening.
0: You know, it's taboo until it happens to, to happen to someone that you know, or someone that you love, Uh, then it's no longer taboo whatsoever. And it's just, um, uh, it's a matter of process of, of information and putting that information out there. And we have the opportunity now. And uh, I I thought you, I thought, first of all, that I know you and that the, the story is incredible but you know, just like you wondering, how many other hundreds, if not thousands, or maybe millions of women? I mean, how many breast, plant, how many plants are put in every year? I mean, it must be a staggering amount. A
1: lot. And,
0: and 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 how long have they been going on for? You just put those numbers together, you start going holy guacamole. Mm-hmm. Um, but just thinking about that, and the women who uh, who who are embarrassed, who say, "Well, I don't want to talk about this because of." Uh, you know, and fill in the blank for that. But um, uh, I think if we need to start open up that door and say, "Listen, it you know if it affects you, it affects me, and it affects someone else that we know too."
1: Exactly. Definitely. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Amanda McDowell Killian, thank you so much for just a a great life, um, a very inspiring story, and it's so great to know that you're on the other side, and um, maybe the uh, the steep climb isn't as steep as it was before.
1: I hope not. I do <laughs> hope not. No, yeah. A lot of gratitude for sure. So
0: Absolutely. Amanda, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your love. And I appreciate you just being you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you too. Thank you.
0: I hope someone gets in contact with you and you, you can actually uh, pay it forward for them too.
1: I hope so. I've had many women already reach out to me just for my Facebook posts. So it's it made it worth it for sure.
0: Awesome. Amanda, have a great day.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: You bet.